Congressman Andy Barr would let shady payday lenders take advantage of them. Amy McGrath's single-payer socialist plan, government-run health care. For months, the ads bombarded the airwaves. Character is the single most important thing that Amy brings to this race, in my view. Mr. President, welcome to Kentucky's 6th Congressional District. With their party's political futures in Washington on the line, their race took the spotlight. And Andy has been an incredible warrior. As Election Day nears, it's time to decide who should represent Kentucky's 6th Congressional District. Now we hear directly from them. Trained to fight wars. We're not trained to be Border Patrol agents. This is common sense border security. What do they stand for? What do they hope to accomplish? And why you should vote for them? Welcome to this special edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. It's one of the most closely watched congressional races in the country. Republican Andy Barr is being outspent in a fight to keep the seat in Congress that he's held for the past six years. He says he ran for Congress to save America from bankruptcy, restore the American dream, and keep Americans safe and secure. His challenger, Democrat and first-time candidate Amy McGrath. She's a former Marine who flew in 89 combat missions. Now she wants to serve in a new role, championing change in Washington. We first asked the two to debate one-on-one. -on -one. McGrath declined, but too much is at stake. We still needed to hear directly from them. So I talked with each of them separately about the issues that matter to Kentuckians. I asked them the same set of questions. We'll hear their unedited responses without commentary, without rhetoric, and without them interrupting each other, just their own words. First, health care. It's gotten a lot of attention. Nationally, Democrats have been committed to keeping the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare and making some changes. Republicans have called for repeal and replace on Obamacare. I asked them each where they stand on health care. Well, this is the single most important issue for the voters of the uh, 6th District. And, you know, I believe that health care is a right that uh, all Kentuckians should have. And therefore, we have a complex system. We have the Affordable Care Act. It was not a perfect piece of legislation. No major piece of legislation ever was. But we need to elect leaders that want to fix it in good faith. And so the most important thing is let's not undermine it. All right, that's, that's number one. And beyond that, let's go and do things that are practical. I'm a military officer by trade. We ought to do things that are practical, that we can do, that we can agree on uh, to make things better for folks. So one of those things is a Medicare buy-in plan for those who are 55 and older. Um, this is an idea that you, know, you could buy into a system uh, early that people generally like, that's not gonna throw you off your health care um, you know, if, if you get sick. Um, and I think that, uh, that this would also ease the burdens off the Affordable Care Act exchanges because you're taking sort of a higher risk pool out of that and, and putting it into uh, Medicare a little bit early. Uh, the other idea that I like is the public option. Um, this is an idea that if you poll Republicans and Democrats, they generally like it. Why? Because it gives you more choice in the Affordable Care Act marketplace. Um, what it is is 
right now you have the choice of um, private insurers in the Affordable Care Act market, marketplace, one or two or three different insurers. I propose you also ought to have a choice of Uncle Sam. And you could buy an Uncle Sam option. You could buy a government plan. And that would force prices to down, which is really important because right now the premiums are rising and they have been rising for years. So we need to be able to force the insurance prices down, the private insurers. And now they would have to compete with the government plan. And so I think to me um, that this is something that's practical. It was written into the Affordable Care Act initially and taken out at the last minute. And we ought to try this and we ought to make it work. But the most important thing is, let's get leaders that want to make this work and not have members of Congress, like the incumbent in this seat, who want to throw health, our health care and our system away, you know, for purely political reasons. We've got to help people. Most people have uh, either, many people have either pre-existing conditions or have a loved one who has a pre-existing condition. And what the Republicans have done over and over and over again is proven that they want basically to undermine the system that we have and put people with pre-existing conditions um, who are very vulnerable at risk for not being able to get health insurance. I think that's a real problem. Yeah, the, the false attack of this entire campaign has been uh, the very first charge for my opponent in her very first ad run against me, which was that I somehow wanted to take health care away from a quarter of a million Kentuckians. That's totally false. What I voted to do in this term of Congress was to make life easier for people and lower health care costs for them. I voted to, to stop the government from coercing Kentuckians uh, to buy a, a health plan that they didn't want and that they couldn't afford. That's not taking anything away from anyone. That's giving Kentucky families the freedom to choose what's best for themselves and their families. And interestingly, the fact that we repealed the individual mandate uh, actually was a, a, a very positive thing from the standpoint of delivering tax relief to low-income Kentuckians because 85% of the people who had to pay the individual mandate tax made $50,000 uh, or less uh, on average. So when my opponent says she wants to reimpose the individual mandate, she's talking about a massive tax increase on low-income Kentuckians. What I voted to do was to protect people with pre-existing conditions to, instead of penalizing people for not having health insurance or not being able to afford health insurance, the bill that I voted for would have given families and individuals an, a refundable individual tax credit to lower the cost of health care without growing government. Final point, because we cut taxes, because we cut middle class taxes, and because the economy is booming now, because there's more jobs and bigger paychecks, and employers are hiring in this growing economy as a result of tax cuts and deregulation, guess what? There's more Americans who have jobs, and therefore more Americans who have high-quality private health insurance. And since the tax cuts have been enacted, there are one million fewer uninsured Americans. We are making a difference and progress on health care reform. There's certainly more work to be done. Uh, but this myth that I'm taking health care away from people or that I was in any way voting to jeopardize people with pre-existing conditions is total nonsense. In, in the bill that I voted for, uh, we had additional enhanced protections for pre-existing conditions, not just in statute to prevent insurers from, from, um, from denying people coverage because of pre-existing conditions, but because we voted in that bill for $138 billion in funding for high-risk pools and invisible reinsurance cost-sharing for people with pre-existing conditions.
Now, immigration issues have been front and center in much of this election year. President Trump is sending troops to the U.S.-Mexico border to head off a caravan that is heading from Central America. About 800 of those troops are from Kentucky. I asked them, do you support sending troops to the border in this situation? Absolutely. I've had uh, several conversations, not just with the current Adjutant General of the Kentucky National Guard, General Hogan, but also with former Adjutant Generals of Kentucky. And this is a mission that the Kentucky National Guard has participated in um, since 2006 uh, as part of the Secure Fence Act, which was a bipartisan bill, by the way, uh, that even uh, uh, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton supported and Chuck Schumer supported. And now somehow the liberals are running away from sensible border security measures. You know, my opponent in this race has says, has, has opposed sensible, common sense border security measures like uh, a border wall system, uh, like uh, infrastructure. And she calls sending Kentucky National Guard troops uh, or DOD personnel to the border as, quote unquote, a colossal waste. I don't think as the congressman of the 6th District representing the Boone Center and the Kentucky National Guard that it is appropriate to call the mission of the Kentucky National Guard a waste. It is not a waste. And in fact, the commissioner of the Customs and Border Protection Agency, uh, Kevin McLernan, has told Congress that it is a tremendous partnership. And you are for a physical border wall. Absolutely. I voted for it multiple times. And let's be clear. When my opponent says that sensible border security is a ninth century solution to a 21st century a problem, she doesn't know what she's talking about because she hasn't obviously understood what it was that we were voting for. What we voted for was a border wall system that includes not just 30-foot uh, high steel barriers, physical barriers, but it also includes technology, lights, cameras, sensors. Um, uh, it includes um, all-weather roads. It includes tunnel detection equipment and high-tech equipment. So this is common-sense border security, and the fact that uh, my opponent opposes common-sense border security is a big problem for Kentucky because 80% of all of the fentanyl and heroin that comes into this country comes across the southwest border of the United States. And so we're just doing what the Department of Homeland Security and the Customs and Border Protection Agency is saying that they need, which is additional border security measures to stop uh, the importation of illegal drugs, to stop human trafficking, to stop the drug cartels from coming into our country. And, and just one final point. This is not just Trump administration officials saying we need a wall. It is career customs and border protection agents like, uh, like Gloria Chavez, a Hispanic female chief border agent at the El Centro sector in Southern California who says that because of the $1.6 billion we've already invested in a border wall system in California, we're already seeing a slowing and a reduction in illegal border crossing. Well, let me preface this by saying uh, I've fought for my country for 24 years and I believe in strong borders. Um, this is what I fought for. Uh, we need to know who's coming into our country. Um, that said, uh, the folks who are fleeing violence right now from Central America are a thousand miles away and they're on foot. And, you know, sending troops to the border, particularly active duty troops to the border, does seem a little politically motivated here, um, right, right in front of the election. Um, but, you know, typically when National Guard and, and military troops, I mean, what, what are we designed, what are we trained to do? We're trained to fight wars. 
we're not trained to be border patrol agents. So what we need to do is um, have stronger, you know, border patrol, more more um, funding for our agents um, who are down there, more uh, surveillance aircrafts, and some of the things that I've been talking about to secure our border. And we can do that. A physical wall. Well, you know, I haven't been a proponent of a physical wall. Um, I, I do think that it's a waste of money. Uh, I went down to the border. I've talked to folks on both sides of the border, talked to Border Patrol and ICE agents, and even they agree that a border wall is um, not really going to be effective um, and it's kind of a waste of money. What we need to do is um, increase our funding for surveillance aircraft and um, drones and that sort of thing, and, and we can secure our border and, and uh, make sure that we know who's coming in this country without having to spend $40 billion uh, on a wall. We, we, we need to be spending that $40 billion in infrastructure right here in the 6th District and around our country. Now, we next discussed the taxes you pay. Tax cuts have meant many in central Kentucky paid less this year and have had that money to spend. At the same time, the federal deficit continues to grow. And Senator Mitch McConnell says that's mainly because of entitlements, while others point out that tax cuts mean less money coming into federal coffers than if the rate had been left steady. I ask, do you support the tax cuts, and are you concerned about the deficit and growing federal debt? Well, because of the tax cuts this year, the deficit has risen 17% over the last year. I think that's pretty significant. Um, you know, I am for middle class tax cuts. Uh, I mean, the, the middle class should have the tax cuts and working class. What I'm against is the Republican tax bill, which gave 83% of the benefits to the wealthiest 1% in corporations who were already receiving record profits prior to these tax cuts. And in addition to that, I'm against it because it adds $2 trillion to the national debt. We were already in a deficit before these tax cuts got put in place. And, you know, this just goes to show you uh, what Representative Barr, you know, who he works for. Um, it's the corporations, it's um, the wealthiest 1%. And you know, if, if, if Congressman Barr was really serious about uh, middle class tax cuts, he would have made those permanent and not permanent for the corporations. So to me, uh, I just think the priorities are way off. And ultimately, it's going to hurt our kids. Because as we get further and further into debt, um, we're going to have to pay way more for that in interest later on. And our, our kids are going to have to pay for it because of our irresponsibility here. Of course, I'm concerned about the deficit, uh, the growing deficit, which is caused mainly by interest rate increases, increases in interest rates. As the chairman of the subcommittee with oversight over the Federal Reserve System, we are watching monetary policy normalization. That is increasing our debt service payments. That's a principal driver of short-term increases in the national debt and the deficit. And then obviously the growing um, runaway autopilot mandatory spending, increasing spending is what's driving larger deficits right now. It's not tax cuts. In 2018, with the tax cuts in place, the federal government is taking in more revenue because of higher levels of growth as opposed to what, uh, what we saw in 2017 without the tax cuts. That, that is worth repeating. The federal government is taking in more revenue with the tax cuts than we did without the tax cuts with higher tax rates. The reason is because we are growing now. There's more taxpayers. And we are growing now between 35 and 4% economic growth. That's twice as fast as we were growing during the Obama era. We will never balance the, the federal budget without economic growth. And uh, 
in order to pay for all of these tax cuts, we simply need to grow at 2.6%. We're already growing between 35 and 4% growth. So we're, we're already producing revenue because of more economic growth. But of course, in order to address the long-term drivers of our deficit, we need to do what I voted to do, which is to reform mandatory spending um, and uh, interest rates are, are going to be pretty much what they're going to be. Tragically, the Pennsylvania Jewish synagogue shooting and the grocery store shooting in Kentucky appear to show violence against people for who they are. So we talked about how do we stop some of this kind of violence in America? Well, it's just tragic, and I uh, had a chance to express my condolences to Rabbi uh, Litvin, who is the head of the University of Kentucky uh, uh, Jewish Student Center here. Uh, I'm going to be attending a vigil tonight at the local temple. Uh, this is just, this kind of anti-Semitism is just horrendous. It has no place in our society. Uh, obviously, we need to um, uh, put the full weight of the criminal justice system against any of these kind of mass murderers in, in these cases. Um, uh, but obviously, we need to bring the country together, and we need to stand in defiance of any kind of hate or hate crimes like this one was. Well, um, I think it starts with leadership. And that's what I learned in the United States Marine Corps. You know, um, leaders really matter. What they say, um, who they are, their character matters. And I think when, when I look at uh, my campaign, for example, I'm very um, proud of the fact that uh, my campaign hasn't uh, run these negative uh, attack ads that unfortunately Congressman Barr has run over and over and over. And I think that's part of the problem. It's creating a climate, it creates a climate um, that, you know, is, is, is just one that we don't need in this country. And, it, and it's exacerbated when you throw up negative attack ads and uh, lies against your opponent. Um, it makes the other side, you know, more emboldened, and I just think that's not what we need right now. We need leaders that try to unite us. We need leaders that talk the truth, and um, I think that's, that's definitely part of the problem. The Trump administration has rolled back some environmental regulations, which it says will allow more coal mining. So how do Amy McGrath and Andy Barr plan to arrive at a balance on protecting the environment and allowing operations that might provide jobs? Well, I think you stop using coal as a political football. Um, I think that coal has been used as a political football um, here in our Commonwealth for way too long. And we need people who um, understand that uh, coal is, is powered our country um, and we need to protect uh, the, the hardworking uh, miners from uh, here in Kentucky and make sure that uh, we protect and, and look to the future. I think that's the biggest thing, you know. Um, with the coal industry, we have to be honest about this and we have to plan. You know, like I said, I'm a military officer. I may not want uh, us to go to war against North Korea. The military might not w want us to go to war, but we have a plan for it. And with coal, you know, I feel like a lot of, of the, the jobs and the loss of jobs, most of it is because of natural uh, gas um, fracking and the increase of that and automation. And so what we need to do is, is, is plan for, um, for the future. And the future in, in energy, um, a lot of it is going to renewable. And we here in Kentucky, we understand energy. You know, with our coal background, with the people um, here and in, in our history, we should be leading in this area. We should be taking it on. And, and so that's why I feel like I want to go to Washington to, you know, make sure that we invest in our region 
for a diverse economy because the rest of our country owes it back, owes it back to our region that, that powered our country for so long. Well, I don't think the two are mutually exclusive. Uh, it's no secret to everybody that I've been a staunch supporter of Kentucky's signature industries, whether it's horses or agriculture, or auto manufacturing or the bourbon distilling industry, and also the Kentucky coal industry. And fortunately, because of the reversal of some of the overregulation from the previous administration, we are moving into an era not just of Indep energy independence in this country, but American energy dominance. That's a good thing. That's why we have more jobs. That's why we have more productivity in the economy, more growth, more opportunity. Um, and this is a big difference between me and my opponent. My opponent supports the Paris Climate Agreement. You know, the previous congressman who was in the seat supported cap and trade, but the Paris Climate Agreement is even further left and more radical than cap and trade. It would increase electricity costs for Kentuckians by 20%. It would cost us 200 200,000 manufacturing jobs, 400,000 jobs overall, and trillions of dollars in less, a lower economic output. I have invested and supported more uh, research and development at the University of Kentucky Applied Center, uh, the Center for Applied Energy Research. That's where we can achieve uh, environmental stewardship uh, by investing in clean coal technologies and uh, technologies that we can then export to the real polluters, China, India, and lesser developed countries. Veterans have served our country and have been promised they would have their health care needs met by the VA. I asked both Andy Barr and Amy McGrath, is the country keeping that promise? We are. We, uh, this has been a tremendous term of Congress with a huge uh, success in the VA Mission Act, a bipartisan bill that I supported. And in fact, many of the recommendations from my uh, coalition, the 6th Congressional District uh, Veterans Coalition that we started, we took those recommendations to Chairman Phil Rowe, the chairman of the House VA Committee. They incorporated many of those recommendations on how to improve the Choice Act. And we consolidated seven different community care programs into one and now uh, our veterans are going to get better care as a result of the VA Mission Act. Real results for veterans and, and real historic VA reform. Well, I think we need to keep working on it. You know, I go to the VA for health care, and uh, I, I got to say that the VA here, I really like. I think that they're, they have tremendous workers at the VA. Many of the people who work at the VA are veterans themselves, and they get it, and they want to take care of their fellow, fellow veterans. Um, that said, we need to ha make sure that we have members of Congress that continually fund the VA and make sure and, and hold it accountable and make sure that we have uh, good health care for our, our veterans going forward. That's really important. The opioid crisis has been deadly and destructive to families. Kentucky is one of the states most impacted. President Trump has declared a national public health emergency. We talked about whether we're on track in combating the crisis. Well, <clears throat> to take a step back, I mean, the first thing that we need to do uh, about the opioid crisis from a legislative standpoint is not try to take away the Affordable Care Act. And, you know, we can, uh, Congressman Barr talks about, you know, bills that are sort of band-aid fixes for the, afford uh, for the opioid crisis. But the biggest thing is, let's not try to undermine Medicaid. Let's not try to undermine uh, the health care that um, people need to get treatment and recovery. You know, under, under Medicaid, just in the last, uh, since, since the Affordable Care Act and the Medicaid expansion, you know, the people receiving treatment under Medicaid here in Kentucky for opioid has, has gone up 700%. That's good. That means that we're getting more people treatment. So I think that's first and foremost. Beyond that, you know, we've, we've uh, gone through public health crises in the past in our country. We had a polio 
uh, epidemic in the 1940s and 50s. We had an HIV AIDS epidemic in the 1980s. How did we get through that? How did we get through that as a country? We got through it because we had leaders who invested in science and invested in uh, education and prevention. And it, and it came from the federal level. That's how we did that. I fear that we're not doing that right now. We're trying to put Band-Aid fixes on this, and we need more investment from the federal level. On the opioid epidemic, we have been a national leader because Kentucky suffers from the third highest drug overdose mortality rate in the country, because I've heard too many heartbreaking stories for moms and dads who have lost uh, kids uh, to uh, an overdose because of addiction or other loved ones because of addiction. We've got a crisis in, in, um, in central and eastern Kentucky. And it's a workforce development issue uh, because uh, many HR managers and employers in this booming economy, they need workers. They've got, there's more job openings in America now than there are unemployed people. Um, but tragically, we can't fill those jobs because people can't pass a drug test. So we've been a leader on neonatal abstinence syndrome. Uh, my amendment to have a nationwide study done to look at best practices, that became law. My amendment to increase funding for the high-intensity drug trafficking area program, $26 million more. Three Kentucky counties in the 6th District designated as Haida counties to bring federal law enforcement in to keep these poisons out. Border security. I voted for border security because we know that fentanyl, deadly fentanyl and heroin is coming across the southwest border. That's, that's a sensible solution that my opponent opposes and distinguishes us on this issue. And finally, my legislation... Uh, to provide transitional housing and job training for addiction reco recovery. That is now law as a result of our work in Congress. We are making a difference. Well, as you saw, our conversations touched on many different issues, issues that will likely decide which candidate will earn your vote. To end, I ask, when it's all said and done, why you instead of your opponent? It's results versus resistance. It's results versus rhetoric. You know, my opponent has a catchy slogan, country over party. I agree with that slogan. Uh, and my service in Congress over these last six years has been all about putting the country first. I, maybe it's just that we have a different definition of country over party. For me, country over party is what we've been doing. Bipartisan work. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican idea or a Democrat idea. If it's a good idea, if it's in the interest of my district, then I'm for it. If it's in the interest of the country, then I'm for it. And I have, and I've proven that with the extensive bipartisan body of work that we've done. But I do not believe that late-term abortion is putting country over party and support and, so, and opposing basic common sense restrictions on late-term abortion. That's not putting country over party. I don't think open borders and opposing sensible border security measures is putting country over party. I don't think repealing middle-class tax cuts is putting country over party. I don't think socialized medicine or single-payer health care or moving toward single-payer health care is putting country over party. I don't think supporting the Paris Climate Agreement, which would make the United States much less competitive and, and raise utility costs on Kentuckians, I don't think that's putting country over party. In fact, I think all of those positions are extreme, out of the mainstream, and they are hyper-partisan positions that, does, that would not make my opponent in any position to put country over party or to work across the aisle to get things done for the people of this district? Well, the biggest thing I think we need right now in our country are leaders who um, put our country first and, you know, who uh, 
believe that our country is more important than their political party, who didn't grow up within a political party, who uh, run campaigns off of small dollar donors, so they're accountable only to the people of that district um, and in the 6th district, and I, and I have. 90% of the donations to my campaign are $50 or less. I don't owe anybody anything. I owe the people of the 6th district um, you know, good representation. And I just think right now, to get through this partisan divide that we have in this country, we need to elect better leaders. And, you know, I think what I've done in my life and the fact that I've served my country, that this is the sort of thing we need right now in Congress. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. And while you might have already made up your mind or not agree with each of their viewpoints, the most important thing is to vote. Polls are open Tuesday from 6 in the morning until 6 in the evening. And to watch our special edition of Kentucky Newsmakers again, go to WKYT.com. You can download and listen as a podcast in the iTunes or Google Play stores. Thanks for watching.